Good morning. Good morning. How are you this morning? Doing well, I hope. Good, good, good. Glad that you're here. Um, anybody else spend too much time outside this week and get burned? Anybody else? Just me? Okay. Um, you know, when the sun comes out, we just don't know what to do with ourselves, right? We just go out, and if, it, if we get burnt, we get burnt. I mean, it's just we don't know what to do with ourselves. But um, thank you for being here this morning. Uh, Pastor Barden and his wife Kathleen are um, away this week. Um, they had, had some time to, to get away, so we're grateful for that. Um, I'm, I'm happy to be here this morning sharing the message. I want to I give a quick um, shout-out where it's due. Um, Dan Berardini had... Um, planned on being here this morning to share with us. Dan does a great job teaching our Wednesday night adult Bible study refuel. Um, he got um, sick last minute, and so I, I hopped in. Um, but he did a lot of the prep for the message this morning, actually. So um, if you love it, great. If you don't, talk to Dan, because <laughs> it's... No, I'm just kidding. But um, I'm thankful for him and, and a lot of the many leaders that we're blessed with here that can that can speak and share as well. It's it's great. It's a, it's a great um, thing to have that. Um, been in a great series um, looking at what Jesus had to say on a handful of of topics. Um, uh, of course, as the central focus of our worship, right? If if Jesus spoke. Um, to a subject, we should probably hear what he had to say on something, right? And so we've been talking through in this series about different subjects. Um, this morning, we're going to look together at what Jesus had to say about a relationship with God. What what did it mean to actually know God? Um, here's here's why the subject is interesting and, and, and critical even for us this morning. Um, people throughout history um, have tried a variety of things to get to know God, right? Or to please him, to make him happy. Religious people throughout history have tried dozens of things to make God happy or to, or to hip, tip the scales, right, of good or evil in their favor. Um, cultures have taught and practiced even horrific things as bad as child sacrifice, all in the name of appeasing a faraway God, little g God, who could apparently be swayed by the most devoted and committed follower. It's all, it's this almost race of how committed can I be? But out of the, out of the history came this group of people we know as the Hebrews, who began teaching about a God that intervened, apparently, in their story personally and actually communed with them in the desert, completely unique to that point. So the Hebrews made the unique claim that a relationship with God was possible. They made this suggestion that the God they served, Yahweh, could be personally known, completely, again, unique up to that point. And then as New Testament believers on this side of the new covenant, we learn that there's actually nothing you and I can do to earn God's love and acceptance, that it's given freely, turning on its head this idea that we have to work harder or give more to gain God's acceptance. But without jumping the gun to the main point of my message this morning, we now have the amazing offer of a relationship with God, something that could truly, if true, transform humanity's understanding of how it relates to God. And maybe even more incredible, that the God we love and serve desires a relationship with me. Amen. Amen. 
as we start this morning, let's define, let's define something. Let's make sure we're together on this. We're talking this morning really about faith. Faith specifically in God as He is revealed in the Bible. I want to I want to contrast that a little bit with um, humanity's what's been our historical tendency to put our faith in other things, right? In, in just about anything else other than God, um, money, the stock market, um, even governments, right? We could go on and on. These things we know provide at best an unstable hope, right? Why then is, is faith in God challenging for so many? Let's consider looking at faith in God, not from a, I'm sorry, um, let's, let's consider looking at faith in God from a different perspective. Let's look at faith not so much as a commodity, right, or something that I have. How much of faith do I have? But rather, let's look at faith as an expression of an underlying relationship with Him. See the difference? I have faith because I know and love him. At the heart of faith, then, is relationship. All relationships um, this morning have a few things in common. Um, whether casual or serious, all relationships are founded on a few things. I want to talk about three things this morning that all relationships have. All relationships have boundaries, all relationships have definitions, and all relationships have expectations. Let's talk about it. They have boundaries. Step outside of my marriage, physically or emotionally, and I've crossed a boundary, right? Relationships have definitions. Um, if you're dating someone and you haven't had the DTR talk, anybody, everybody know what that is? DTR, defining the relationship talk. Do they still call it that? I don't know. Who's dating? Do they still call it? Anyways, maybe I just aged myself a little bit, whatever. DTR, if you haven't had the DTR talk, okay, you can have two people on completely different ends of the relationship, right? One person might think, I'm ready. Well, let's, let's get married. I'm ready tomorrow, right? While the other one is saying, ah, we're kind of still in the friend zone, right? That those are two completely opposite um, definitions of the relationship. All relationships have definitions. Lastly, expectations. Now, these aren't. I'm not talking this morning about unrealistic expectations in, in relationships. I'm talking about normal, appropriate expectations of a relationship. I expect my spouse will love and care for me. My spouse then can can also reasonably assume um, I'm going to do my part to to help bring in an income, to provide for my family, to to help raise our children when we get to that point. Right? Those are normal expectations in a relationship. Those three things also exist. Um, in a relationship with God. God takes relationships seriously. He speaks a covenantal language with relationships. They're not just some casual, flippant thing, right, uh, with, with God. They mean something. As Pastor and I work with couples um, in premarital counseling, one of uh, mine, and I know pastors as well, favorite subjects um, in that is this concept of covenantal marriage. The Christian foundation for marriage provides such rich depth and meaning because it's not just some casual union. It's a promise-bound covenant. 
listen to this language um, back in Genesis 2, 23 and 24, and we talk about this a lot, but it's so foundational to how we understand mar- uh, marriage and, and, and other relationships. Um, Genesis 2, 23. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This was the uh, epitome, if I can, of a DTR talk, right? It, this was purposeful and life-giving to Adam and Eve. So, so if that foundation was given there, what is the foundation now of our relationship with God? Let's talk about how that was first established with his chosen people. Um, of course, in the Old Testament, God gives the law, Right? which we know, again, on this side of the New Covenant, ultimately established their need, our need, for a Savior. The Israelites became acutely aware of their sin because of the law. We know that was the, 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 the part of the purpose of the law. God said, if you obey the law, right, you will receive reward and you will be blessed. That was part of that covenant. And, and on the flip side, if you disobey the law, you'll receive punishment and be cursed. If all, all it takes is a simple read through Exodus, right? To see what happens when God's people continually rejected him or, or did what they weren't supposed to do and what happened to them because of that. That was the, that was the system that God set up for their blessing of his people. In the New Testament, now though comes the new covenant, and we have the cross, and at the cross, and through the cross, Jesus, the Son of God and Son of Man, changed this dynamic of our relationship with God, right? With the cross, our relationship with God goes from one based in the law to one based in grace. Amen? How many thankful for grace this morning? With the perfect atonement now made by Christ for our sin, we were fully set free from the penalty of our wrongdoing, which the law demanded a sacrifice for. On Wednesday nights in youth, um, youth group here, 180 Youth, uh, we've probably for the last, last uh, month or so have been talking about the, the concept of the priesthood from Scripture, how God established the priesthood in the beginning, and we looked at different um, characters that, that exemplified the priesthood. Um, of course, we looked at how Christ was that perfect priest, right? And we talked about then um, going forward how we are now examples to the world of the priesthood, right, as Christ to the world. Uh, but that, but that idea of Christ as that sacrifice, uh, once and for all, got rid of that system of sacrifice. How many thankful that you don't have to bring a sheep or goat with you every Sunday morning to church and sacrifice in the parking lot before you come in, right? Anybody signing up for that? <laughs> Uh, that we're, how, we're thankful that that system is done. Christ once and forever um, got rid of that system. Love is now elevated as we see God providing for us through Christ. Before Christ, we were hopeless in the law and that we could never fulfill it. It was never enough. The Hebrews had to continually, continually on and on sacrifice for their sin. But now with Christ, we have hope. Amen. The law was fulfilled by Christ for us. And so Jesus illustrates this new dynamic of this new covenant relationship using examples of basic human needs and the providing, the provision of those needs. Um, you've all heard the saying, a way to a man's heart is through his stomach, right? 
Uh, any any guys out there? That is how, right? That's how. If you're <laughs> okay, um, guys out there, um, listen. Um, something that I, if you ever talk with Barden for five minutes, you know he's a foodie, right? He's a foodie. Like he can talk with you about what he had for breakfast for for, for ten minutes, right? Uh, but but um, I, I I remember the first time like I understood foodies. Okay, I went I went on this mission trip to Costa Rica and with a previous church, and we went to this little cafe and they had coffee and they brought out this thing on a plate. And it was like called tres leches, and I'm like, this thing looks incredible. And um, I, my, in my very limited Spanish, I knew this meant three milks, okay. But I took a bite of this thing, and oh my gosh, this was my new favorite yumminess on a plate, right? Tres leches cake. So um, my wife Brittany, this past week for my birthday, made me a tres leches cake. Oh, oh thanks, honey. <laughs> And guys, didn't I fall in love with my wife all over again because of this cake, right? It was incredible. Now, forget the fact that I'm lactose intolerant and she's probably trying to kill me. <laughs> Three milks, right? Who knew? No, but um, listen, as, as Jesus starts uh, hearing in John some of these interactions, the first thing that we hear is how he feeds this large group of people, uh, maybe understanding, right, that the way to their heart was through their stomach. Of course, he's going to speak some truth later that we're going to hear that kind of blows that out of the water a bit. But here, let's let's read here. We're in John chapter 6. If you're following along with us, it'll be on your screens as well. Um, Jesus is, is going to do a miracle and feed, um, many of you heard the story, this large group of 5,000 plus people um, in this one sitting. But in verses 26 through 68 after this, Jesus is then spending some time explaining why he himself is greater than the miracle that he just did. In fact, he explains that some of his followers were actually coming after him for the wrong reason. They wanted temporary gratification of a passing desire. And he's going to explain how he is that eternal um, gift for that desire. He calls them out on their motives. This is um, uh, John um, 6.26. Jesus began defining some of this relationship here. Um, Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. He says this, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the son of man will give you for on him. God, the father has placed his seal of approval. Jesus continues um, establishing some of the elements of this new relationship, and he's, he's going to make the connection uh, for some of these um, J- um, Jewish audience here between Moses and the Old Covenant and himself being, being the one that um, fulfills this need here, these desires. He's making these connections. Um, of course, as I said, the Jewish believers... Um, when, when God provided for the, the Jews um, this manna, this bread from heaven during the exodus of the Israelites um, from Egypt. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, this is verse um, 32 of John 6, um, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Um, skip ahead with me, verse 35. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. I love that little picture there at the end, just that quick reminder of the second coming of Christ. Amen? We will raise up those um, that, that come after him. Jesus not only provides the bread of life, church, he is the bread of life. Jesus is bread, is food that sustains us eternally, not temporarily. Um, anyone ever had a salty bread down from Amazing Grains Bread Company in Fairport? You ever tried it? If you've never tried it, go try it. It's incredible. Again, I'm going to make you all hungry by the end of service, right? We're talking about tres leches, salty bread. Um, you're going to be hungry by the time it's ready to go. But but um, salty bread is good, and it fills our stomachs. Tres leches is mm, so good. Uh, but we're going to be hungry again soon. Right, Our appetite is never fulfilled, but Jesus is making the point that he never leaves us empty. Our needs in him are fully met. Incredibly enough, after explaining that, the people continue to challenge Jesus on his authority and credibility. In verse 41 of chapter 6, um, at, it says this, At this the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can you now say, I came down from heaven? So some of these people obviously knew um, Jesus, and they knew his family. They knew Joseph. They knew Mary. And they were so um, um, short-sighted, they didn't understand that his father was God the Father in, in heaven, right? Because they saw the earthly, they saw Jesus' humanity. They couldn't see past that to his divinity, not understanding who his real father was. Of course, not afraid of some critique, Jesus responds down to verse 43 of chapter 6. He says this, Stop grumbling among yourselves. Jesus answered, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. There it is again. I'll raise them up at the last day. Jesus then continues um, defining this relationship for us to the Father. This is verse um, 45. Um, I, I love how Jesus here is con- continually um, talking back to the Old Testament for what, uh, obviously, some Jewish audience there. He's talking about Moses. He's talking about the manna and the Exodus. And um, referring to the Exodus, here he's going to mention the prophets. Verse 45, it is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has seen the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. We, we know 
from reading the New Testament, Jesus often spoke in, in parables. This isn't really, a, this isn't a parable here, but um, parables are simply, of course, a story um, that illustrated a biblical truth. That's what a parable is. Uh, Jesus, sometimes in these parables, he gave um, explanations, right, of what he's talking about, the imagery that he's using. Sometimes he'll just flat out say in these parables, this means this. Other times in parables, he kind of left it open-ended, right, to for the listener to kind of fill in um, the details. Well, here in this section of, of John chapter 6, Jesus is going to lay it out plainly. He just laid it out for us. It's, it's straight up. We understand. He th- says things like, um, this is the will of the Father. He lays it out. He says things like, I am the bread of life, and I am the living bread that came down from heaven. There's no, there's no guessing in this imagery here. I love that he's doing that here in this section. As we, as we move on then in John, um, chapter six, we're going to look at verses 53 here. Um, we're going to hear some difficult things, um, that on, on first read might be challenging to hear. And certainly the audience of that day found it challenging as well. We're going to talk about that here in a little bit. This is verse, um, 53 of John six. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, so whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Now, if you're, um, if you're new, maybe new to a faith journey, um, I understand hearing those words can be like, uh, what is going on here, right? Maybe some of us who've been in faith for a while would still go like, what is happening here? I don't know. Let's talk about it a little bit. There, these words can, can sound confusing. Um, let me, let me help you real quick. Christianity is not cannibalistic, right? Everybody say amen. <laughs> That's good news, right? Here's what's funny. Um, there were critics of the early church that actually made that claim against Christianity that they condoned cannibalism because of sections of scripture like this. But thankfully, Jesus provided some insight just a few verses later on what this section means. This is verse 63 there of chapter 6. The spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I've spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. Commentary from the Christian Standard Bible on these verses helps um, by adding some commentary here. they, They said the reference here is twofold. Both foreshadowing the Lord's Supper and emphasizing complete submission to Jesus as Lord. To many insiders, it had seemed as if the Lord's Supper was a requirement for salvation. What verse 63 makes plain that we just read um, was that only the Spirit gives life. Jesus' flesh did not do so. These are simply striking metaphors for identifying with Christ in his death for the sins of humanity. It's this incredible, again, imagery that Jesus is using to show that he is the bread of life. Maybe interesting, uh, for those of you um, with a Catholic background, um, the Catholic Church has taught um, 
this doctrine of called transubstantiation. Do you know about this? Have you heard this? This is this um, belief that communion during the Eucharist, um, the elements, the bread and the wine, um, literally become the flesh and blood of Christ. It's called transubstantiation. Now, in my research on that, it kind of showed there's you know maybe thirty percent or so of the church that actually believe that doctrine. But uh, I, I don't need to belabor that point. But because most there see these verses as as pure symbolism, as symbolic, and as a commentator put it, striking metaphors for you and I in identifying with Christ. This teaching, church, was no less difficult for followers in Jesus' day. Look with me on the next verses um, coming up here. This is verse 60. On hearing it, many of the disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Going on in the next one, uh, we've already discussed this morning um, as being the spirit, the, the, the one that gives life. Um, And even after Jesus provides this um, explanation, verse 66 tells us that from that moment on, many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. Isn't isn't that sad that that those that saw the miracle, experienced the miracle of Jesus feeding the the 5,000 plus people there, um, got to this point and could no longer... um, could no longer understand and didn't, didn't try to understand. But even after these casual followers of Jesus walked away, listen to the trust here that um, Simon Peter demonstrates in his relationship to Jesus. I love this. This is so cool. Verses um, 67 through 69. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Church, this amazing, loving response from Peter showed him because he had this unshakable relationship with Jesus that he trusted him in spite of the fact he didn't have complete understanding of all these theological details. How many would say they understand everything they've ever read in the Bible? Anybody? Because I want to talk to you. Right, I want to talk to you a little bit. There, there are some things that we have to wrestle with. Now, don't get me wrong. It's important and good that we seek to understand everything that we can. Right, but but there, when there are parts that we don't get, we can't. Let's be real careful to not just abandon it all because we don't have understanding of something. Simon Peter was saying exactly that. Lord, I trust you in spite of those things. He had such a deep relationship with Jesus that he trusted him in spite of it. If you and I, church, can develop relationships like that um, with with the Lord, that we trust him in spite of those things, um, man, I I think that will help us in life, get us through some incredibly difficult things. Even so, if you and I can develop those kind of relationships with people around us, that are dependable, that are caring, that are loving. Maybe we could help lead people into these deep relationships with God as well, even if they don't get it all, because there is relationship. If you've um, known me for long, heard me speak before, you know that I I, I love apologetics. Um, apologetics we would simply define as a reasonable um, defense of our faith. Um, I, I think apologetics is super important. 
um, it, it defines why we believe what we believe, right? Church, I, I like to remind us often, we follow a reasonable, rational faith, amen, that can be backed by science and archaeology and lots of other fields. Um, but apologetics it only goes so far because you and I can spout all the facts. We, we can tell people everything that we know about it, but often if there is zero relationship that is going to fall short because it, it, there's, there's just no basis there. Now, that's not always the case, and there are times when, when speaking up for truth matters in spite of that. But often we see when there's no relationship, right, those things cannot or often are not heard. How many have ever heard this um, saying, you and I may be the only example of Jesus people ever see? Have you heard that? I love that. That's such a good reminder for me this morning that our, our witness to the world is so important. They see Jesus through you and me, right? So the relationship we've been talking about this morning involves the Father, the Son, and involves us. Our relationship with the Father. In the last book of the Bible, we see a simple, relatable illustration of God's desire to know you and me. This is Revelation 3, verse 20. It says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. You all know, we've talked about it before, that that there's a personal, a, a deeply personal relationship when we have a meal with someone, right? There's a connection that's made over food. Again, maybe it's that connection to the heart through the stomach thing again. I don't know. But it's so, so special. God is showing us here his desire for personal relationship with you and me. That gives you and I an incredible access to the Father that historically had not been known. Church, Jesus is the way that you and I have relationship with God. Amen? It's what the entirety of Scripture is pointing to. Christ was and is the link by which we have that relationship with God. Jesus not only communicated to the world how to have a relationship with God, he was telling the world he was the way for that relationship. Maybe Jesus has been knocking on the door of your heart. Maybe you're here this morning um, and you can, you can feel God um, um, knocking at the door of your heart. And without getting too corny here with, with the example, I wonder if you've ever really submitted to him and let him in. Maybe you'd say, Pastor Brandon, I've, I've known about him. I've, I've learned about him in different settings, but I've never really had a relationship with him that we're talking about this morning. If that's you, I, I want to pray for you um, this morning. And, and then if after service you want to come up, and I'd love to talk with you, I'll be here. Um, if you're not comfortable doing that, um, please, please, there are the prayer cards there that you can fill out. Just write on there, I've, I've made a decision to have... To, to accept Christ, to walk into a relationship with him. You can drop that on the box or leave that on the seat. Someone will come by and pick that up after service. If you're watching online and you've never made that decision to follow Christ, send us a message. Anyone can always email us, info at livingwordag.com. We want to know about that so that as a church family, then we can walk alongside of you, right, in that commitment, in that relationship. It takes all of us. We want to know um, about that commitment this morning. Our relationship with Christ um, gives us access 
to a father, to a father who never leaves us, never forsakes us. The worship song we're going to close in today talks about um, the committed promises, right, of a relationship with the father that never fails. That even when things are difficult, we have we serve a God that is with us in that in that challenge, right? Amen. I'm so thankful for that. Let's stand together as we close and worship. God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, God, that you are a personal, active, um, invested God that never leaves us or forsakes us. God, we thank you this morning for those um, that have maybe never made that decision to walk into a relationship with you, God. I pray that as um, they would be encouraged, God, that as the Bible says, that um, that when we accept you, God, we are made new, a new creation in you. God, thank you for that hope. Thank you for that encouragement, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's worship this morning.